Hello everybody, welcome to Homo Sapiens. How are you? Welcome to a brand new episode of Homo Sapiens, built especially bespoke for you wonderful listeners. Last week, it was World AIDS Day, but also over the weekend, it was Small Business Day. So, we're doing a little spotlight on small LGBTQ plus businesses, LGBTQ plus run ones or friendly ones, because... They're a different thing, aren't they? It's really nice to go to an LGBTQ plus friendly or run business. I think there's a different perspective on things. So I'm going to be reading out your suggestions of ones that you know and love. And I'm going to be talking to Spanners with Manners, who are a brilliant group of lesbian mechanics. They're sort of changing things in their own subtle way. And they're a fascinating lot. And I love them. So that's going to be a really brilliant chat. And then also we're going to be speaking to the wonderful actor and comedian Nick Dodani. He's the star of Netflix show Atypical. And he also recently starred in Dear Evan Hansen that was adapted for the big screen when it was on the big screen. And uh, he also was in Waitress on Broadway. And we chatted about so much brilliant stuff. It's, he's such a lovely man and he sort of gives such an interesting perspective because basically, you know, he was one of the first gay Indians, South Asians, to come out and make comedy about being a gay Indian and the intricacies and details of that. And he went viral when he did this joke about um he told his mum that he was gay and she said happy gay or AIDS gay and you know it was a joke but it's kind of what put him on the map and then that how that's developed and how post Black Lives Matter how that moment that continues now is how it's changed his view of what kind of comedy he wants to do and you know he's an actor really now doesn't do stand-up so much anymore but really interesting chat and he set up this amazing community called the salon which is for south asian performers and make creative makers of any sort to come together and sort of become the bright new dawn really really brilliant chat with a wonderful man so that's coming up as well but first things first let's have a look at emails because so many of you have just been writing in about the Ruth Coker Burks episode, which is the chat last week that we did for a World AIDS Day special. And if you haven't heard it yet, just have a look on Apple Podcasts, or listen, I should say. Uh, it's a really, really special chat. And her story, Ruth's story, really touched loads of you. And please keep your comments coming. It's hello at Homo Sapiens Podcast or at Homo Sapiens on Instagram. And Volcan did just that and actually got in touch on Instagram and said, definitely one of my favourite episodes of Homo Sapiens. I loved every second of the lovely chat. Thank you, Ruth Coker Burks, for all you have done. And you are a hero. Thank you, at Chris Sweeney, for introducing us lovely Homo Sapiens every week. Oh, Volcan, don't think anything of it. Pleasure. It's literally why I'm here. Dear Homo Sapiens, Firstly, I hope you're well and safe and a huge thank you. Thank you so much for this. I'm not going to say who's read it, who's, who said it, because I don't know if this should be anonymous. Uh, you'll understand why, as I read. I first came across your podcast during the pandemic and it has made a huge difference in my life, more so addressing issues I had boxed and never addressed. I'm a 39-year-old British Indian who came out at the age of 30. Life had been immensely difficult at this point, the constant acting and watching oneself and how I walked, talked and presented myself, literally trying to be grey matter that would not get noticed. 
I eventually came out as I was so tired and drained of being someone I wasn't. I'm turning 40 in June and recently moved back from Dubai after five years away and trying to find me. Funny I did this in a country where it is illegal. (laughs) That's so interesting. Also, something about being away. It just, you become a different person and it frees up parts of you. Coming back, I felt so lost and been addressing my childhood and sexuality head on. Wow. Okay, good on you. I've accepted it myself, but have been so concerned about those around me. This is more to do with growing up in a not so great environment and presentation of the LGBTQ plus community during the 80s and 90s. I always say to this day, I was never allowed to be a child and had to grow up pretty quickly. I would say I was pretty unhappy for around 27 years of my life. I nearly got married at 24. I loved her, but more as a friend. Looking back, I was so relieved she left me, literally. I mean, my coming out was at my cousin's stag in Las Vegas, in a strip club. I was so drunk and so intimidated by these women. I literally lost it. My brother grabbed me and said, what is going on? And just like that, I let the words out. I'm a fucking trigger warning F word. I'm not going to say that word because it can really upset people. He just looked at me and said, you can't call yourself that. He clarified that he didn't care and loved me for me. We also had the discussion about the term. He used to call me this and so many others. He apologised and said it was a joke and he never thought too deeply into it. I've been pretty lucky that my family have been extremely supportive and caring. My mum told me she loved me and it didn't change who I was. It's funny how times change. As years ago, I had been approached by her, I think I was 14, and my dad about family members asking if I were. Because I had done my sister's hair and makeup. You know what she said back then? It's okay if you are, we can get you help for that which I conversion therapy in brackets here. I reminded her that she said that times were so different then. I was also fearful of being Indian. Either they would kill me or disown me. I don't like to dwell and I just wanted to put my life into context. Just a few of the things I faced, more so being gay and Indian. I really want to thank you because I've turned to your podcast for help and that's just what it has done. Helped and helped me to be me. It's not easy, but I like to think turning 40 in June will be the happiest I will be in myself, gay and proud. I was also a teacher for the last 12 years and I've left the profession more as I felt I couldn't be me. I turned my back on creativity as I just had sad memories towards it and negativity from childhood. I'm now embracing that, exploring more creative career avenues. I like to believe the development I am making will lead me to find love and finally achieve the unthinkable and have a partner in crime accepted for me, looks, skin, colour, sexuality and my friendly soul. Thank you for your work on all those you've introduced me to. I used to fear listening to or watching anything gay related. Oh my God, so did I. So did I. And now I'm absorbing it and learning things I should have known years ago. I feel my development of age is strange. I may be 40, but in gay years, I'm young. I'm so young in development, if that makes sense. You'll never know the emotions and changes you have made for me and many others. Wow, what a lovely message. And I can relate to so much you're saying there. You know, being 40 but young in development is absolutely so on the money. One of the things I think is that there's a parallel between being queer in any way and at first you don't want it to happen. Uh, Lots of people feel like that anyway. Not everyone, some people. And then you sort of come to terms with it and realise it's what's great about you. And I think actually also there's a parallel with what you realise is that because of that whole difference, sense of difference, you also develop at a different stage and things happen for you in different ways but it makes it all the more richer when it does happen and I know that I you know I've spoken about this before like when I was 14 all my friends were getting off with each other I was um 
you know, standing in the corner pretending. Well, I was actually probably dancing to Usher, uh, which I seem to be rather keen on as a teenager. And not getting involved in any of that stuff, but pretending I was and I cared and all that nonsense. But then when you get the love and you feel it, if that's what you want with your with your life, you don't have to. It feels all the more richer. And it's really funny that so many things that you're saying in this email as a gay Indian man have parallels with Nick, who we're talking to today. So it's very interesting that you emailed this week because you will hopefully hear so many things and so much beauty, light and hope that radiates from both your email and from Nick when he speaks. So thank you so much for getting in touch. And then we've got another message here. Hi, Chris. What a great job you're doing. Stop it. Who is it? Jamie. Jamie, stop that. I really love the conversation with Freddie. Uh, This is Freddie McConnell when we did Transparenting a few weeks ago. And this got me going down an educational wormhole on trans male parents, which was very good for me. What a trooper Freddie is. And let's hope he gets to Sweden. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Jamie. Um, Your subsequent thoughts on being femme hit a real chord with me. I'm a gay cis male. I think as a result of me feeling deeply freaked by potentially being gay when I was very little, turned me eventually into a motorbike-loving, leather-wearing man who likes the gym, etc. But that butchness is the only a kind of coat that I regularly wear. The other and very strong side to me is the one that loves and has always loved women's magazines, listening to women converse and women's fashion. Our gender is our own construct and it takes so long for us to be calm about it. I was really worried about being femme when I was little, but then when I went to university and adapted, attended a women-run feminist thinking institution, the notion that it is not helpful to ascribe differences to the genders was quite key to a lot of feminist thinking, and I totally agree with that. Why do we ascribe certain characteristics as femme and others as more masculine? I think it does a disservice to women and presumably makes little girls who feel more like boys or more just drawn to the stereotypically male pursuits. Husbands walked in. Hello. How are you? Anything you'd like to say to the people? Your fans? Well, only fans. Not only fans. Well, you know, it's another revenue stream. Um, where was I? More drawn to stereotypically male pursuits as weird somehow, and little boys who just want to style dolls, guilty, Your Honour, or talk about feelings equally weird, and isn't that wrong? This is all they are, stereotypes. When I was 22, I thought my generation would transform the norms and get rid of all the nonsenses surrounding gender that still exist. A recurring thought as I just complete 50 years is how little changed and how bitterly disappointed I am that women are still being asked things on mass media such as, but can women really be funny? Or is this man weird because he wears makeup? What nonsense, eh? Absolutely. Thank you for introducing me to Freddie, to Munro. Love Munro. That's Munro Bergdorf. Available on the feed to all your amazing guests. I've rambled on, but please keep having the pioneer guests. I wonder whether there's a place for similarly pioneering listeners on the podcast. So not famous, but living LGBTQ plus or ally lives that remind us of the huge range of beautiful, diverse lives that are out there, all of which deserve equity and celebration. Absolutely, Jamie. A big hug, Jamie. Kiss. Now, I agree with so much and it's really funny. I, I don't know whether this is something about getting a touch older where when you're young, you feel like the whole world will change as you grow up when you're really, really young. And then as you grow older or as I grow older, I realise that actually not a lot changes. And I'm reminded of Peter Tatchell, the amazing human rights campaigner, saying it takes 50 years for any kind of change to occur. And 
we all think it's going to be quicker than that. And also, change doesn't happen all in one go. It happens in different steps. And that's why sometimes it can feel great. <laughs> Husband carrying in shopping as quietly as possible. And is that as quietly as possible? Well, I can't work in my study. I'm so sorry about this, listeners. Here you are, just trying to get an episode of a podcast. And instead, we've got rude interruptions from a man who's been to Tesco's. He's holding bags. What have you got there? Jim Crisps. Oh, lunch then. Um, so I think that change doesn't happen at the speed at which we hope it would. But all I can say to keep your pecker up, Jamie keep your chin up, is we, if we bandy together and fight for what's right, we will make a change. Don't let the bastards get you down, is all I'm going to say. My dog is sitting with his nose actually in between the gaps in the radiator. That's how cold it is here, listeners. I digress. Let's do some agony uncling. It's an agony uncle of sorts. I want to ask, this is from a listener. I'm not going to say the name because with agony uncling type stuff, we always say we'll keep it private. I want to ask, how to honour my uncle who died aged 31 in 1982, number 80-something to die in the UK? This is in reference to the HIV AIDS episode, World AIDS Day special we did. So number 80-something to die in the UK of AIDS. He was a babe at 31 and his death affected our family for at least 20 years. He was beautiful, vibrant and watching It's a Sin doesn't cut it. My brother made a panel for the quilt Uh, The quilt being the famous quilt that was made by AIDS patients or perhaps survivors as well, or perhaps relations of AIDS patients. How do I honour him? I missed him so much when I was a kid, then missed him so much more when I realised I was gay. I feel the forgotten, the families of the dead, not the partners, not the parents, but the legacy. So how do you honour this person? Well, Two things spring to mind. One is this man who very sadly died at such a young age was number 80 something to die in the UK. So I imagine what was going on at the time when he died must have been so different and difficult. And there must have been so many other things going on to do with his death other than grief. And so I think that with the circumstances of so much kind of vitriol towards people who are dying of AIDS, that it must feel like you want to reappraise that time and revisit how you would grieve then and also how you would grieve now. And therefore, that might help you find the answer of how to honour him. I think it's a celebration. You want to celebrate that person's life. And, you know, when I think of people who in my life have passed away too soon, um, I think it's about taking time to reflect together or on your own about what you loved about them and what was so beautiful about that person. You know, one of the things I do for my godfather who died, for example, is that he left me a teapot (laughs) and a sugar bowl and it goes everywhere with us. And because it means that there's something in my life that is active and being used, which reminds me of him. And it means that he's sort of weirdly part of my life in this nice, subtle way that means that when it gets used... 
he's sort of in my mind and he lives on, I suppose, in a nice way that doesn't feel too contrived, but it's every day. But it reminds me of what a lovely person he is. And also we talk about him. We talk about him a lot. And we have a friend who oddly is quite like him. And so he often comes up in conversation and we sort of celebrate him by not feeling afraid to talk about him. And I wonder if there's something in that as well. You said you missed him so much more when you realised you were gay. And I think that's interesting because my godfather was gay and I never told him that I was gay. And I would love, because we were so close, I would have loved to have talked to him about that. But I think that, you know, my godfather probably knew because he'd known me since I was born and I, I know I was gay since I was born. So, you know, you have to remember that they probably knew more about you than you realised. But also maybe it's of of some use to think that perhaps his queerness lives on in you. And maybe you get to do some of the things that he very sadly couldn't do and honour him in living your life proudly and showing that hopefully we don't ever have to go back to those times when people are persecuted in the way that he was. Um, And obviously it is still going on around the world in many, many places. But by living your life proudly, perhaps you can do him some honour and justice that he totally deserves. And through that, knowing that that will be your own special connection for the two of you, I think could be an amazing thing to do. But listeners, also, you tell me, what do you think here? How should this person honour their uncle? Let us know what you think. Write in. But living the life that you're living as a queer person out there is honour enough, I can assure you. And I can assure you that he'd be very, very happy to see you living your life the way you are. Please continue to write in your agony uncles at hello at homosapienspodcast.com or at homosapiens on Instagram. Now then, let's talk about Small Business Day. That's a business jingle for you. This week, in honour of Small Business Day, we wanted to honour some of the great work that queer businesses are doing to support and empower our wonderful community. So lots of you wrote in great places, queer-owned businesses. So here's some recommendations. Carriad Gelato in Porth Madog in North Wales, says Iddy Widdy. Back on Track, Sports Therapist and Personal Training in Fairham. Botanic, says Interior Design. I suppose that's Botanic Arc. That must be you suggesting yourself. Haley says ethical earrings on Instagram at ethical earrings. Lesby mums say Kelza jewellery. Print 71 for knitters. Undercover Otter does fantastic hand-dyed yarns and fabrics. So many brilliant businesses there. Please keep writing in. Tell us more. I want us to have a sort of little community of businesses who are doing amazing things. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to chat to those lovely people at Spanners with Manners, who are gay female mechanics. Uh, they've got a garage in East Finchley and they're doing incredible stuff for subverting so many expectations about women, so many stuff, interesting things around gender, sexuality in the workplace. Here is my lovely chat with Spanners with Manners. I am a massive fan of Spanners with Manners. How long have you been going for? Uh, we've been going there for three years. What made you start it? Where did the idea come from? Well, I just I, I just opened up a garage, and before I knew it, I got I got busier than ever. I just got inundated with with girls wanting to come and come and work with us, and it, it just kind of happened. Interesting. And why do you think suddenly loads of girls approached you 
is it because you'd put it out there in your network of friends that you were going to do something a bit different with it or to be honest I didn't I didn't really put anything out there I mean we was in a local newspaper uh, which really helped and we had a lot of girls locally just turn up saying kind of I've always wanted to do this uh, and the college they had an, a, quite a few girls on their books and they sent them all down um, so we were kind of sport for choice really <laughs> where did that name spanners with manners come from I love it I made it up. I was just trying to think of something rhyme with at all, and all the rest of them were just horrendous. So it's the one that sounded <laughs> the best. <laughs> How do people react to an all-female garage? Do you know what the reaction we've had from everybody has just been fantastic. Um, you know, you still get some people that go, "Oh my god, there's just girls here." We had a guy the other day that actually got down and started bowing at, at one of the girls that worked for us. It was just like, "Wow, man!" <laughs> Why was he bowing? Well, she's very pretty. She's quite glam, you know, and he just, he couldn't believe that, she, you know, he just couldn't get his head around it. It was, uh, and then I, that, I think it was more embarrassing at five girls laughing at him than anything else. But. And what about the the sort of garage community? You know, how have you been accepted? Have you ever had any times where people have given you, given you a bit of shit? Um, I, th- I think it's it's like any sort of walk of life. You, you know, you, you can get a lot of respect of people, but then you're always going to have someone that's going to maybe have a bit of, jealousy or why are they busy and we're not but overall mm. i mean you know we get on with, with a lot of garages you know i've got gar- i've got other garages phone me up and say oh have you got this tool or can i come and use your computer and vice versa so in general you know it is it's, it's a nice environment across um mm. but you're always gonna you can't get on with everyone can you <laughs> unfortunately no and i know that you say that you're lgbtqi plus friendly but is also that the makeup are a lot of you who work there lgbtq plus as well well me and siobhan are actually married we got married in may this year so we're still newlyweds congratulations thank you um megan she's in the lbg community as well we've also just got a a new girl she is and then we've got two girls that that are not but it's a bit of variety you know it's everyone's a bit of it's um you know, it is a is a big variety of people. You know, especially mm-hmm. like the customers as well. You know, we get a, a wide range of customers. We get a lot of, especially like you know, gay men, and they they don't feel comfortable going into an all mm. dominated male garage. I wanted to ask you that, yeah, because do you? I wanted to ask about if your customers sort of reflect because you're an LGBTQ plus business primarily. Do you get more? lgbtq plus customers it sounds like you do because it's a different atmosphere right yeah it's a completely different atmosphere you know there's no sort of like sniggering or comments made there's people walking in and out or anything like that but we've we've got i mean our customer base is so broad but we do have a very big um sort of lbg community base and where are you based we're based in east finchley in north london the whole of London can kind of come to you, I imagine, and a bit north of London. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we get some, we get people coming from Richmond, and um, we mm. got people coming down from Hertfordshire to, to use us, you know, and a lot of them are from sort of the diva community page and stuff. So, you know, it's it's, it's nice. Ah, cool. And what would you say is different about an all female garage to the traditional garage? There's there's not a lot of shouting. <laughs> You know, I, I, yeah, I've worked in garage four and, you know, they get, like, they say, where you go for the time of the month? God, some of the garage I've worked in, these men just, like, <laughs> yell at each other. It's crazy. Um, and I think a lot of it as well is just sort of, like, there's a lot of egos. Like anything, you know, people, you know, mm. you know. but with us, we, we are actually really good friends. We hang out outside work. We all get on. We talk to each other about your problems, you know, and it's, it's, it is like... 
it's like cool as it sounds it is like a little family that's so lovely do you think it's harder for lgbt people to find work in jobs that aren't traditionally as society says which is obviously rubbish but it, you know that is hard. absolutely i do i mean until I had my own garage, when I worked somewhere, I, I mean, I've been out to my family since I was like 17. But when I was mm. in a workplace, they would ask. And I was like, no, because they they, they make comments and make their life difficult for you. Like I made the mistake in the second garage I was at. And that that's the attitude I got. Um, unless someone asked me outright, I wouldn't actually tell them. I'd never lie about it. But mm. I also would be quite open about it because you do start to get the comments. And you know, I remember one day I come in and they stuck a load of... Um, women orientated pictures of my box and it was just like this is no need for this you know you wouldn't go and do that to him mm. you know and since you know mm. so I just chose and it is it's very hard and because you're trying to hold your ground as it is and prove that you can do what you're doing without people just trying to just be I don't know I don't even know what the word would be but they, they I mean especially in a dominated world like that they, I think the men get more insecure than anything else really yeah and it's uh, it's difficult and it puts a lot of pressure on you because there's almost two things sort of going on at the same time which is the fact that you're a gay woman but there's also the fact that you're a woman in this industry do they have separate challenges do you think um they do because you know I've got two girls that work for us and they're not gay and um you know one of them she didn't have a very nice time purely because she's just a woman you know Mm. and when you when you're facing two challenges at once you kind of you've got to be pretty resilient to sort of shake off both of them yes you know, so what's amazing is that you were previously, you wouldn't say that you were gay when you were working in other garages and then you set up your own and now it's this, like you say, it's become a family. Amazing. What would you say to other people out there who are looking, LGBTQ plus people and beyond, who are looking to subvert any kind of societal gender expectation who want to become mechanics or do something that subverts the norm what would you say to them do you know i just think it, just, it doesn't matter about what your sexuality what, what, what you what you you know if you want to do something and you're good at it that will that will override anything and don't let how you live your everyday life and why should you let, let other people bring you down you know if that's what you want mm. to do go for it and if it's something you're good at and you want to do that's going to shine through and it's going to cancel out everything else Wow. And it's so exciting what you're doing. So thank you. So what's next for Spanners with Manners? Um, just get through the winter, I think. It's bloody freezing. <laughs> uh, we just want to expand, take on some more. I mean, you know, we've just took on a little 16-year-old. She's really keen. She's really good at what she does. And we just want to keep taking people in and, and teaching them and hopefully giving them a good environment, a good start in life and give them a bit more confidence to go out there and, you know, do what they want to do and be who they are any of our female mechanics out there or those who define us neither yeah give us a give us a call with yeah why not cool well i'll come down and help out sometime that sounds good <laughs> get your hands dirty i'm not great with a wrench but you know what <laughs> we'll teach her if i get through hibernation <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they great? If you need your car looked at, head on over to Spanners with Manners if you're in the vicinity. That's the end of part one. Come back for part two for my chat with the delightful Nick Dodani and everything else you'd normally get from a bumper episode of Homo Sapiens. Powered by Spirit Studios.